Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you'd like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you'd like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 256-483-4991. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor Steve Husky continues with part two of his series, Blind Faith. Church, good to see everybody. Hey, thanks so much for being here this weekend. We are so excited you're here. If you're a part of our faith family, thanks for being here this morning. If you're a first-time guest, again, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Absolutely our privilege to have you here. We hope today God will do something really great in your life. Again, we believe that Jesus, that he is the answer and he's the hope of the world. So no matter where you're at, what you're struggling with, what you're going through, I believe you'll open up your heart. God will meet you wherever you are, whatever struggle you're in, whatever battle you're going through. And I believe if you'll open up your heart, he'll give you peace, he'll give you joy, he'll give you victory, and he'll give you salvation because that's who he is. Come on, can somebody thank him today because he's done it for you. Hey, listen, before I get into the message, just want to celebrate and give a shout out to a lot of our church this past week. Um, several times a year, we do something called Serve Week, which is our opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't believe we should just come and sit in a building. We believe that we should go out into this world and we should love our community. So this past week, we had multiple serve projects, people going out into nonprofits, helping, ministering, making a difference. And we had lots of people show up, go out invest lots of time. And uh, Friday night, we had about 60 volunteers showed up. Our church paid for and packed 10,000 meals that are going overseas to people in need. Again, lots of people made lots of sacrifices. So on, my, on behalf of myself, God bless you guys, man. Thank you for making the sacrifice. Can we celebrate all those in the house that showed up and was a part of that? Again, we do it several times a year, so I want to encourage you to look for those opportunities. It's part of our core value. We reach people who are far from God, and we connect with people because God's created us to be in relationship. We need to grow in our relationship, and we serve. One of the things we do here at Faith Church is we serve. So thanks for being a part of that. All right, well, listen, we are going to continue the series we started last week entitled Blind Faith. The purpose of this series is to look at some really hard questions because we all have questions. We have questions about life, questions about situations we go through, and sometimes it's questions about faith that are often the most difficult to answer. Sometimes it's questions about faith, even though they're the most important, sometimes it's hard to get our arms around. Sometimes it's hard to really get an answer, an answer that makes sense. In fact, sometimes you have to ask, like, do we just accept all this by blind faith? And what we're doing through this series is giving some answers, giving some arguments, giving some philosophy, giving some biblical perspective to some big questions, because I don't think we just take it by blind faith. I think God gives answers to some very difficult questions. Again, even though it might be hard to understand, I believe the answers are there. So last week for Easter, I got to celebrate, last week we had over 3,600 people on campus. Over 80 people gave their lives to Christ. Can we give Jesus some praise for that? And last week we answered the question, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? So if you weren't here, I would encourage you to jump online. You can always listen to in our, all of our messages are archived at igotofaith.com. Today we're going to answer a different question, and here's the question we're going to tackle. It's a big one as well. And here's the question is, if God really is all loving, then how can he send anyone to hell? I mean, if you want to embarrass a, a, a Christian, talk about hell. 
If you want to get a Christian in a really tough spot, make a believer feel very condescending, judgmental, talk about hell. Because for us, we feel like we can celebrate God and we can celebrate his love. And God loves everybody. No matter where you are, God loves you. But at the same time, if you don't work it all out, he's going to send you to an eternal hell. And it almost seems like those ideas of a loving God and an eternal hell, it seems like those ideas don't fit. They seem like they're somehow incompatible. So what I want to do today is I want to tackle this question like, is God really loving? And if he's loving, does he really send anybody to hell? And like, how do those things fit? But before I get into it, let me just say this, and I think this is something we all can agree with is everybody wants justice. Everybody wants justice. If somebody does something wrong to you, someone hurts you, someone steals from you, someone robs from you, everybody wants justice. Do you all agree with that? Listen, someone, listen, some of you guys coming to church today, someone cut you off on the way here and you wanted to pull over and love them. <laughs> Why? Because when, you know, people do anything to us that we perceive is out of bounds, we want justice. If someone broke into your house today while you're at church and you go home and you find that your door's been kicked in and some of your belongings are, are gone, nobody's going to shrug their shoulders and say, well, no big deal. No, we're going to call the police and we just don't want our stuff back. We want the person who stole our stuff, what, to go to jail because we want justice. If someone hurts us, someone hurts our kids, we don't say no big deal. We want to hurt them back because we want justice. I remember when I was a kid, probably nine or ten years old, very young, there was a, a family lived in our, in our neighborhood, the McCulley's. The McCulley's were kind of like the Brady Bunch, but from the wrong side of the track. Kind of troublemakers, always in trouble. And I remember the oldest brother in the McCulley family, if he's watching, his name's Randy. Uh, he's probably not watching, but <laughs> just in case. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, he was probably five years older than me, somewhere in there. So when I was nine or ten years old, think about it, he was 14, 15 years old, and he introduced me to astronomy class. And when I say astronomy class, it's because somehow we got into a class and he punched me so hard, I saw stars. Uh, and so here I am, this 9 or 10-year-old kid getting punched by, you know, a 14 or 15-year-old kid. It hurt. And I'm just telling you, when it happened, immediately, you know what I wanted? I wanted justice. But I wasn't big enough to execute it myself. So thankfully, there was another kid in the neighborhood. He was kind of like mythic proportions. His name was Mark Arvel. Mark Arvel was the baddest mother on the planet in our neighborhood. And Mark Arvel happened to like me. Mark heard what Randy did to me, so Mark went and executed justice on Randy. And I'm just telling you, I was happy about it because I was hurt, and everybody, when we get hurt, when someone hurts us, when someone does something against us, does something against our community, does something against our culture, nobody shrugs their shoulders. Everybody wants... If you didn't pay attention to the news this past week, here's a picture maybe you've seen. Two guys that made the news last Sunday while we were worshiping here in church. There was a guy up in Cleveland, Ohio, right down the road from where I grew up. Steve Stevens got on Facebook Live, posted a video, made a decision that he was going to murder somebody. Got a gun, got out of his car, walked up to this gentleman right here, Robert Goodwin Sr., and shot him in the face and murdered him. Like nobody shrugged their shoulders and said, oh, well. Everybody wanted this guy caught. Fact, because I'm friends with a lot of people in that community, all my friends on Facebook was like calling people out, like, go get him. And if you've seen the news Tuesday, this coward committed suicide. And the, the, the scream of social media was this, there was no justice. 
Like this guy took the coward's way out. What the family wanted was for him to be arrested, for him to stand in front of a judge, for him to get some prison time, or for him to go to the electric chair. But everybody knew that this man deserved justice for what was done to him. Because all of us, when we face something where someone hurts us, we all want, come on, say it one more time, we all want justice. Here's the question is, where does that desire for justice come from? That desire for justice comes from our creator because you and I were made in the image of God because God is a God of justice. We're going to see that in a minute. God's put in us because we were created by him and like him in his image. We have in us, even though ours is a little twisted, we have in us a desire for justice. So before we get too kind of far down this road, let me just kind of say a couple of things because when you know that all of us in this room, we all want justice, Like, here's what's crazy is we want justice, and sometimes we don't want just temporary justice. We want eternal justice. There's people that you and I, that if we don't know them personally, we know people, or we don't know them relationally, we know them historically, people we could say they deserve hell. Hitler. I don't think anybody would debate a man who killed 6 million Jews and another 8 million other people, like, deserves some kind of punishment. Child molesters. Put me in a room with one for about five minutes. I want justice. But that temporary justice doesn't satisfy something in us. So here's the funny thing. Here's what's odd. Do you know more, at least Americans, do you know more Americans believe in hell than heaven? Do you know why? It's because all of us in this room, there's something in us that wants justice. We, we think there's people that deserve justice. So while there are people we think are going to hell, here's what's also funny. Nobody thinks it's us that's going. It's always somebody else. It's always someone worse than us. So before we really have this conversation about God and hell and how these pieces fit together, let me say this, because this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you today, is that God is for you. He is passionately and relentlessly pursuing you. See, because you can't have a conversation about hell unless you put it in proper context in a backdrop. Because if the idea is that God is just this vicious, malicious dictator in heaven somewhere just looking to take out vengeance on mankind you'll end up in some very difficult spots that are hard to understand and explain. But when you understand on the backdrop that God is passionately and relentlessly pursuing every person in here, when I say that, I mean in the very beginning, God created us to be in a relationship with him. God wanted you and God wanted me. When mankind like had a cosmic rebellion and rebelled against God, his plan and his way, do you know immediately God put in place a plan, Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel? God immediately executed a plan to rescue us. God later introduced himself in Genesis 12 to a man named Abraham. The goal of this introduction of God to man was that God would raise a nation out of this man, ultimately a Messiah out of that nation. Do you know why? So he could rescue us. God's people were put in uh, as, as prisoners, as slaves in the land of Egypt. God didn't shrug his shoulders and say, who cares? You know, God immediately raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses and sent Moses in to rescue his people out of bondage. God made a, a, a temple where people could worship God. God introduced laws where people could know God. God has always been pursuing us. When his people would go astray throughout the Old Testament, when they would rebel, when they would forget God, God constantly raised up prophets that would come and speak to them, that would call them back. God has always been pursuing us. God has always been pursuing us. You get in the New Testament, we're introduced to Jesus, the Son of God. The reason we know him is God sent him to come and rescue us. 
Luke chapter 15 is this powerful parable, three of them back to back to back. We've talked about before. It's a picture of a shepherd that has 100 sheep and one goes astray and the shepherd goes pursuing the one sheep. A lady who has 10 coins who loses one and tears her house apart to find the one. A father who has two sons that one son goes off into rebellion and the father is waiting and longing for him to come home. And all of that is a picture of God who is passionately pursuing us like the shepherd for the sheep, passionately searching for us like the woman in the coin, passionately waiting for us to come home like the father with two sons. See, the idea in this world is that God is somehow like turned his back on us, that we're trying to get a hold of God and God's ignoring us when the story of Scripture is exactly the opposite, that God is pursuing us and we're doing the ones. We're the ones ignoring him. Like God is passionately pursuing you. And so as we get into this, let me just tell you this again. Scripture, the reason we read the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is ultimately a revelation. Everybody say revelation. It reveals who God is. It reveals what God is like. It reveals God's plan for humanity. So that's the purpose of Scripture. So as you read Scripture, you get all these pictures that God's pursuing us. Two very specific things we're going to focus on today that you see in Scripture as God reveals himself is this right here. God's nature is both perfect justice and perfect love. As God reveals himself, God says, God steps on the scene. He's like, this is who I am. He's perfect justice and perfect love. And those two things, like we may not see how they fit together. It seems like those two things are diametrically opposed. Those two bits of God's nature, his DNA, who he is, those two things fit perfectly together. Let me talk about God's justice. When we say God is just, God reveals himself in scripture that he's a judge. He's a righteous judge. He's a perfect judge. In fact, here's a couple of scriptures real quick. I want y'all to read these with me. Truly, God will, do, will not do wrong. Come on, church. The Almighty will not twist justice. So you and I, if we want to get even, if we get justice, like we twist it. But God is a perfect, righteous judge. Makes no mistakes. He doesn't have an ax to grind. He's not looking to get even with anybody. He is the most righteous, fair judge ever. He's the perfect judge. Here's another one. Psalm 11:7 says, God is an honest judge. So here's the crazy thing is, for all of us in this room, we're like, right, I mean, God, God knows how good I am. I mean, if God is so just, then God certainly knows how good I am. Here's the problem, is that God is such a perfect judge. You and I are not the standard for what goodness is. God is the standard for goodness. So because God is a perfect judge because God is perfect. Watch this. God's justice exposes man's sinfulness. <laughs> See, we put everybody else under the microscope, don't we? We put our friends under the microscope, what they got wrong, what they do wrong. Like they, they said something behind my back. Isn't it funny? Let's just hang here because this, we would say this isn't a big deal. But isn't it funny how indignant we get when we find out someone's been gossiping behind our back? Like we're like, What? They did what? Like, we're ready to fight somebody. How many people in this room has ever gossiped against somebody? Raise your hand. Y'all ain't raising your hand. You're a bunch of gossipers. You were doing it in the lobby when you came in. <laughs> Everybody in this room has gossiped. So here's what's funny is, we stand before God and we recognize that God's a perfect judge, but we think God, he's going to judge Hitlers and child molesters, but we're good because we think we're pretty good people. 
Unfortunately, we are not the standard for good. So when we stand before a righteous, perfect judge, here's bad news. We're in trouble because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. See, when we want justice for people like Robert Goodwin Sr., we want something bad to happen to Stephen Stevens for what he did to that man. Listen, I got news for you. He's not the only murderer. Jesus said, if you hate someone in your heart, you're a murderer. And if I could see your heart and you could see mine, a lot of what we would see in each other is we would see hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. We would see bigotry. And all that is in our heart. We point fingers at each other for who they slept with and who they're sleeping with and they're, they're outside of the boundaries of what I think is okay. Do you know what Jesus said? Like we think this certain group of people, they deserve hell. Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you've ever looked at a person in lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So it's like this idea that we are good enough to stand before a judge. I want you to know, every one of us, when we stand before God, you will get a perfect, righteous judgment. And that's bad news because everyone has sinned. So God is just. That is who he is. And that's who he is all the time. God hates sin. God is a judge. He will always judge sin. But here's the good news, and there's good news today, is God is not just perfectly just. God is perfectly love. Which means while we are out doing our own thing and we are living outside of God's boundaries and we're doing things our own way, while we've convinced ourselves we're pretty good compared to our neighbor, compared to God, we're pretty bad. And so God just keeps on pursuing us. See, because God is love, God never gives up on you. No matter where you're at, if you're new to church, you've never been in church, you've been in church your whole life, God is for you and he is passionately and relentlessly pursuing you. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. This is huge. He says, this is what God says. God says, this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. I don't know if you like the rule, but we didn't get to make them. For the wages of sin is death. See, the reality we have to own is we're all sinners. But again, because God is not just perfectly just, God is perfectly love. Here's what he says. I love this. This is so big. This gives us the idea of who God is, that God is not, again, in heaven looking to cast people in hell. He is looking in heaven, rescuing everybody that's willing to be rescued. God says this, do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Says the Lord, sovereign Lord, of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. God is like saying, this, this is what I want for you. I don't want you, to, I don't want you away from me. I, I don't want you separated from me. I want you whatever direction you're headed, wherever you're running to in life, away from God. says, so I want you to turn back to me and live. And this isn't just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, here's what the Bible says. Come on, every voice, read these with me. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Titus says, 1 Timothy says it this way, God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So you have this dichotomy, right? You have a righteous judge that hates sin, that will judge sin, and we're sinners. We're in trouble. But you have a God of love who absolutely loves us in spite of our sin. God loves you. God absolutely loves you. And so you have this thing, and they're perfect, and they're all the way, all the time. God is always a righteous judge. God is always love. 
You see, how do these two things, it's almost like God has a dilemma in his heart. Because you're a sinner and so am I, he's going to judge us in the judgment's death. But he loves us and he wants to rescue us. So what's the answer to the dilemma? The answer to the dilemma in God's heart of his perfect justice and his perfect love is the cross of Calvary. The answer to the dilemma is Jesus. For this reason, come on, listen to this. At the cross, we see God's love for people and his wrath upon sin. See, the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God loved you and you and you and you and you and you. God loved you and you and you. God loved every one of us in this room. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Like the cross is this declaration to a broken and hurting world that he loves us. But it's not just a declaration of his love. It's a declaration that he is a righteous judge that will always judge sin. See, the reason Jesus was on the cross is because he carried our sin. He took our punishment. John, 1 John 2, 2 says this. It's a word we don't use a lot, but it's a powerful word. 1 John 2, 2 says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. And not only ours, but for the whole world. Say, what in the world does that word mean? It means that God was righteously angry at sin. And he pointed judgment at us. And Jesus took the bullet. Jesus stood in and took the punishment that we deserved. So like when you look and you're like, how, does it, how do those two pieces fit together? When you fit together, how does a loving God send people to hell? How can God be absolutely just and absolutely loving at the same time? Those two pieces come together and form the cross. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing. That's why we live this life is because we're declaring who God is and what Jesus has done to rescue me and to rescue you. Is anybody here grateful today for that? Come on, church. I deserved it and Jesus took it. I owned it and Jesus got in the way of it. I'm thankful today that God loved me enough to put the judgment I deserved on his son and take what was on his son, perfection and righteousness, and give it to me. That's incredible. So here's the reality is when you have this conversation about hell. See, because God loves us enough that he made a way out. He sent his son to rescue us. There is a way. So God doesn't send people to hell. People choose not to take the way out. God is not hurling anyone to hell. God is not up in heaven upset, making people get away from him forever. He's doing everything he can to rescue. The issue is most of us just don't want the way that he's chosen. And so we just refuse. And so you, here's like the issue is, like if you choose not to trust his love, then you fall back on justice, Right? Like if you're saying, I'm not going to go the route of love, I'm not going to put my trust in Jesus who took my sin. If you don't depend on his love, then you fall back on his justice. And if you fall back on his justice, we've already talked about how that ends. Someone's going to take the punishment. And if you don't let Jesus take it for you, then you take it on your own. And the soul that sins, it will die. So here's the question. Why does hell exist? Like what's, what's the point? Two things, two things. Number one, because people will exist forever somewhere. You will exist forever somewhere. See, because God is a creator, God is eternal. That means God has always been and God will always be. God is the first uncaused cause for all you science people out there. God has always been. But because God is eternal, God makes eternal stuff. Are y'all hearing me? 
which means when God made us, we haven't always been, but we will always be. When God made you, when God created you, he blew into you the breath of life, and you will always live forever somewhere, somewhere. Like that's a reality. Now, here's the issue is if you don't want to live with God, then you will live away from God. How many people in this room, how many people in this room remember junior high? Like everybody in this room, you had somebody you liked that didn't like you at one point. Come on. Don't play like you didn't. How many people here had somebody that liked you and you didn't like them? Wave at me. Come on. Come on. That's right. My friends used to call me the air traffic controller because I could land everything within 100 miles. What? (laughs) What? No, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. Y'all can have it and use it. But everybody remembers junior high. When I went to junior high, Goodyear Middle School, it was our elementary school with four, I think three or four other elementary schools. So seventh grade, eighth grade, it was all these hormones. Like every guy found this new batch of girls to like, and all these girls found a new batch of guys to like, and everybody was dating each other, and everybody was liking each other. And everybody remembers what it was like to sit right there in seventh grade and see the one. Like halos shone around them. They glittered. They smelled good. Come on. And you wrote the note. Remember the note? Do you like me? Yes or no? And if you don't get a yes, just do a writing, baby. Just give me a maybe. Give me some hope. But nobody wanted to get a no. If you wrote the note, you wanted to get a yes. But how many people can be honest and say, you got a no? Come on. Y'all lying? Like a lot of us, we got a no. Like, and, and back in the day, when you got to know, when I say back in the day, if you got gray, you know, back in the day, if you got to know back in the day, if you got a broken heart, we would fall back on the mixtape. Anybody remember the mixtape? <laughs> mixtape would have your favorite songs on that soothe the brokenness of the heart. Phil Collins. You coming back to me is against the odds. Like you Because <laughs> you got told no. Listen, everybody's been told no. You like someone who didn't like you, or someone liked you and you didn't like them. Everybody's been familiar with unreciprocated love. Do you want to know somebody who knows unreciprocated love better than anybody in this room? It's God. Because He has loved more fully and more passionately than anybody in this room. And He has been told no by more than anybody in this room. And so, what is He to do? If God loves you, God created you, God did everything to save you, he's passionately pursuing you, he's made a way for you to escape judgment, his arms are open and can't wait for you to come home, but you say no, then what is he to do? Is he to force you to love him? Is he to force you to spend eternity with him? See, you and I, we will spend eternity somewhere. And if it's not with God, it will be apart from God. It will be separate from God. See, hell brings up all these images of really kind of all these crazy things, and we'll talk about them one day. But let's talk about just for a second. When you talk about hellfire and outer darkness, I know that sounds really bad, but it is. Because I don't think it's just punishment, but if God is the only source of life and joy and hope and righteousness, if he's the source of those things, and you're separated from light and life and love and joy forever, what is that other than hell? But if you're forced to spend eternity with the God you don't love, what is that to you but hell? See, God will give you exactly what you want. If you want him, he absolutely wants you and paid a tremendous price to have you. 
But see, love can only exist where free will exists. If God forces you to love him, it's not love. If God manipulates you or forces you to reciprocate his love, it's not love. And so he's done all he can to woo you and to love you. And through his son, Jesus, he opens up for us to say yes. But again, you will spend eternity somewhere. Because God is an eternal God that makes eternal beings, not just us, but angels. You know God made angels, and angels will exist forever somewhere. The Bible tells us in biblical history, there was a moment in heaven where there was an archangel named Lucifer that didn't want to worship God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. And so he rebelled against God. And God said, fine, if you don't want to do it my way, you can do it your way. The Bible says, ultimately, there's a place those eternal creatures will be. And it's a place that eventually people who've denied Christ, who refuse to accept the only way out, will go to. It says, then the king, this is referring Jesus to judgment at the end. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. See, why hell? Because you will spend eternity forever somewhere. And if you don't want to be with God, then God will give you exactly what you want. And you'll spend eternity away from God. It's your choice. So God has done all he can to reach out, to love, to draw. But ultimately, it's our choice. And God will honor our choice. Here's another thought real quick. This is big. Heaven and hell is not about geography. It's about relationship. It's not about whether you go up or down or north or south or wherever we think it is. It's not about that. It's about relationship because all of this is about relationship. God made us for relationship, not rules. God saved us for relationship, not religion. And so this whole thing is about a relationship. So listen to this. It's not about like one day will you die and spend eternity in hell. See, hell is, is, de- is separation forever. Hell is death. It's eternal death. But Jesus said, if you, if you live and you believe in me, though you die, you'll live forever. Do you know why? Because if you're connected to the true source of life, if you stop breathing on this side, you still have life forever. But there's a lot of people in this world that think they're living, and you're not living, you're just existing. And if you die not connected to the only source of life, when you die, you will stay disconnected from that source of life forever. But God loves you. He is passionately and relentlessly pursuing you. And he's paid a tremendous price to own you, to have you, to be in a relationship with you. And all you have to do is say yes. To go back real quick. So why does hell exist? Again, number one, because people will exist forever somewhere. And number two, sin will be punished. See, I said in the beginning, everyone wants justice. Come on, say it. Everyone wants justice. Think about the stuff that you've experienced personally, that you've experienced. The people have hurt you and taken advantage of you, abused you. Think about just the stuff in your lifetime that you've seen, things you've read. Now multiply that to an unknown factor because God sees it all. He sees every bit of sex slavery. He sees every abused kid. He sees every rape, every murder. He sees every heart in this room. He sees all the malice, all the anger. He sees it all. And there will be a time that he says, enough. That's it. That right now, the reason he's not come back is he is extending through his mercy every opportunity for people to turn to him. But there will be a time. 
that he will say, that's it. The rebellion's over. And when all of us stand before Christ, nobody's going to say, that's not fair. No, that, we're all going to be without excuse. Because either you will know in that moment truly, truly, how ungood you really are, and me too. Or you will know in that moment, because you put hope in Christ here, that I'm good because I put my trust in the one who paid the price for me. God is perfectly just. And God is perfect love. And you decide, you decide where you want to lean. So Father, we come in the name of Jesus today. I thank you for grace and mercy. God, I pray that you'll take this complex, difficult, hard to talk about topic of hell. And Lord, I pray that God, you will bring it all the way down to just what it matters, that it's just about a relationship, whether we will be with you for eternity or whether we'll be separated. And that God, that's not your choice. You made it our choice and you made a way through Jesus for us to experience forgiveness, for us to find hope in life. Listen, if you're here today and hearing this message, you realize that you've never, you've never put your trust in the only one who can forgive you. You've never put your trust in the only one who can really make you right or righteous. The Bible says, even though we've all sinned, the Bible says the gift of God is Jesus. That's his gift. It's his gift of righteousness. And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say, I need it. And the Bible says, when you say yes to God, when you say yes to his gift of forgiveness, the Bible says in that minute you're saved. In that moment, you become a child of God. In that moment, you come into a relationship with your creator. So all across this room and watching online, if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, like I've never said yes. And today I recognize I need to put my hope in Jesus. I don't want to stand before a righteous judge in my current condition. I want to stand before him as a child of God. All across this room, as I close in prayer, if you're here, you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? Today I want to put my trust, I want to put my eternity in Jesus. I want to put my trust in what he's done for me. If that's you and you want to include it in this prayer, you want to say yes to his grace, I want you to lift a hand real high all over this room. Come on, throw hands up. Come on, if that's you, say yes. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to his forgiveness. I want to say yes to his grace. Come on, throw your hands up and leave them up just for a minute so I can see you. Come on, real high all over this room. Thank you. 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 Lots of hands. So I'm just getting ready to tell you, listen, right here, everybody that just lifted their hand, I want you to know that God loves you, he's for you, and he's passionately and relentlessly pursuing you. And right now, if you'll just say yes, he's about to change your heart and your life forever. So I'm going to lead you in prayer. I want everybody in this room, everybody watching online, I want you to pray this with me out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you love me and you're passionately pursuing me. I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me, save me, be my Lord. I believe right now that I'm your child and my eternity's fixed in you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God all over this room? Come on, church.